Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5000 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5000. Enjoy! Blog Talk Radio Welcome to Forever Blue Shirts Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Forever Blue Shirts Radio. I'm Russell Hartman, as always, and joining me today are John Luke Shapiro. Say hi, John Luke. Hi, everybody. I'm 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 just coming back from the game. I'm currently on the train coming back, and I lost my voice because Mika Zibanejad made me go crazy. How's it going, boys? How's it going? We didn't and have to also, John. also, with that snarky little comment, joining us as well is Kevin Krupe again. How's it going, Kevin? Yeah, I'm good. You know, just I'm glad that the Ranger finally got a hat trick this season. Yeah, isn't that awesome? And joining us shortly will be Forever Blue Shirts Editor-in-Chief, Mr. Zach Chigger. So we're going to start off the night talking about, well, we're going to push the devils to the end because I know we're going to be hype about that and we're going to hype people up at the end of the radio show talking about the big win over the devils. But the beginning, we need to discuss the curious case of Pavel Buchnevich. So recently, you know, David Quinn said some things about Buchnevich that he's had to be better. We've seen it as fans. We know he's got it in him. We know he's got the skill to succeed in the lineup. And, you know, when you put him with skill guys, he's really good evidenced by how he played in the Devils game, which we will get to. So, Kevin, I want your opinion on this first. What do you think we need to do to get Booch going? Do you think he should be traded, or do you think he's part of the solution here? Because it's getting to the point where people are really starting to wonder if this kid is going to put it all together. Well, let's look at it this way. Sometimes he's not playing first or second line minutes. It, it shows, and he's not a defensively capable player, as I think David Quinn really wants him to be. So, it go, you know, especially just this past few games, he's not even cracked like 13 to 15 minutes in the last like five games. So, you got you to gotta think about it. It's just, you know, could you take the risk with Pavel and put him on a, on a line with, you know, Mika Zibanejad or Matt Zuccarello or Chris Kreider, 
or a Filipino and then get him going that way? Or do you just kind of make him struggle a bit, you know, make him play defensively, and then he has to earn it back, like with lesser players, with Boo Neves or, you know, you know, even Jesper Fast, even though we all love Fox. It just comes down to that. But personally, I thought it was a good choice to bench him again, you know, but you got to give him something back when you put him back in. You got to give him minutes to show. So, I agree. Okay, I understand what you did. Now, now I agree let me entirely. play. <laughs> let me play. <laughs> JL, you know, you're on the train. You're coming back from the ecstasy of that game. Big win over the Devils. Mika Zibanejad hat trick. You saw what Puchnevich did when he was put on the line with Zibanejad and Zuccarello. Uh, do you think that is the key to getting this kid going? No, absolutely. He looked on his time when he was out there, whether he was with McLeod or with Zibanejad, he actually looked pretty good. Usually he tends to respond right after he gets scratched. And uh, generally speaking, he looked like you could notice him on the ice. Like I caught him many times just being involved in the play. He was active. He was in the corners. He was using his body and he was making good passes. And overall, he was taken into the net. He looked very strong in his skates and he just totally looked like he was involved. And I think what the Rangers want from him, ideally, is just to have him continue that play in a consistent manner. You have to remember, and I'll be brief with this, when Kevin Hayes, Chris Kreider, J.T. Miller were all young, they all had similar treatment happen to them. They were benched and they were put to the side. But ultimately, the Rangers were patient. I think a lot of Ranger fans are just upset or a little, you know, weary because he hasn't really blossomed out there. Mm-hmm. That's the current state that mm-hmm. he's playing in. But at the end of the day, you know, he, just give him time. It'll be fine. So he looked I good agree. tonight. Yeah, he did. He looked great. And you know what, JL, since you won't be joining us for the whole show, we're going to switch topics a little bit. We're going to switch to talking about the, the the win over the New Jersey Devils. And let me welcome in Forever Blue Shirts Editor-in-Chief, Mr. Zach Chigger. Zach, how's it going, buddy? Good, guys. What's going on? We're chilling. We're chilling. We're all in a good mood because we just beat the New Jersey Devils. And even in a tanking year, this feels good. You know, I'm on the tanking side of this whole thing, but look, when they beat the Islanders or when they beat the Devils, you just can't be mad about it. You, you just can't because, you know, we always want to beat them. So, JL, you were there firsthand. You saw how this team looked. You got to celebrate Mika Zibanejad's hat trick in person. Take us through how the mood in the Prudential Center was tonight, buddy. Okay, so when we got there, you know, Devils got off, you know, first. And, you know, give, give credit where credit is due. The Devils definitely had uh, control for most of the game. But once you started to see after the Devils went up to nothing, once the Rangers got that goal late, you can tell that the tide turned. And there was a little bit of nervousness going on as both teams were pretty much going at it. It was your usual intensity of, you know, both fan bases getting into it. You know, people were generally a little more cordial nowadays. But, you know, both teams were engaged. But at the end of the day, the Rangers just seemed to keep making plays. And after a while, it just seemed like the Rangers were holding them off. You know, the, the whole tone of the place kind of died down a little bit once the Rangers started taking control. And once uh, Zibanejad finally got his hat trick, it, the place just kind of got deflated. You know, you don't see me complaining. I'm My voice is still sore, and I'm I'm, I'm a euphoric on this train right now. So, <laughs> you know, all, all in all, though, my, my takeaway from this, and I'll leave you guys with this because I don't want to hold you, but looking at this team currently constructed, games like this give you hope for the future because they look unified. They played a smart game in some instances, and when they finally put it together with some skill, they actually looked halfway decent. So that's all I'm going to say on that. And uh, I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of the podcast, rest of the night, and I will be back to bore your brains out on the next podcast. So let's go, Rangers. Good stuff tonight, boys, and, you know, have a good night. Later, buddy. Glad you enjoyed the game. Bye, man. So, Kevin, 
Kevin, Kevin, Kevin. Kevin. Did you – you were watching this game. You saw what was going on. Mika Zibanejad gets a hat trick. We're going to go slightly off topic here, but it's okay because we're doing this tonight. Kevin, do you think yeah. that Mika Zibanejad can be a yeah. true number one center in this league? He's currently on pace for around 79, 80 points. Or do you think that this is just a case of he's just getting so much time because of the rebuilding season that he's just – he's such a focal point that the points are just coming to him. So what, what do you think? Do you think this is a case of a guy overachieving or do you think this is a case of a guy who's finally blossoming into the player that was drafted so highly by the Ottawa Senators? Well, there's two ways to look at this. One, like you said, going along, he's getting so much ice time, he just scores at will now because who's going to if he doesn't. Or it's going to exactly. be like, look, he's finally coming in, in his own, comfortable with the New York Rangers finally. We knew he had something there. We knew he had the scoring touch. We knew he was a great center. It's just, you know, now we see the sacrificing defense for offense, which isn't a problem if the rest of your team wasn't as bad as they are. Right now it's not a big deal. We know it's rebuilt, rebuilding year. But it shows that with the right line mates, especially Zuccarello and Chris Kreider or Kevin Hayes or whoever else is on the ice with him, we could see that he has the potential to just score at will. He had four points tonight, including that assist that they was on the third goal. And it just shows like he is a dominant center. Could he be a, a, a one center, like a first line center, a bona fide top guy in the league? Yeah. If Hedl comes in on his own and Kravtsov comes over next season and just kills it, then yeah, you can make the case that he's an art, like a first line center. And he's like the backbone of this team and he's turning into the backbone of this team. Damn right, man. I agree 100%. The guy's proving us all, right, that we were all we were all thrilled when that Derek Broussard trade happened. At least I was. And most Rangers fans I talked to were thrilled because, look, Derek Broussard was an amazing player, but he was 29, pushing 30. And you got to take advantage of, you know, trade value, and they did. And his manager has been oh, hitting out of the park since we acquired him. Absolutely. His contract, he's getting paid around a little less than $5.5 a, a season. Great deal. I think we have him until he's 20, I want to say 28. Uh, you guys can check me if I'm wrong, but I believe we have him until he's 28. So, I mean, he's a fantastic player. Zach, you're watching the game. You know, you're checking it out. You see we're beating the Devils. Dicey at some points. Hank had to make some big saves. But overall, I mean, great performance. Uh, what stood out to you from the Rangers' performance against the New Jersey Devils last night? Yeah, so, so great performance. The only, I mean, the Jimmy VC turnover – that led to the third goal was abysmal. Um, as a coach, you never want your, or as a coach of kids who are learning to play the game, you tell them never go up the middle when you're breaking out. And VC went up the middle, and the Devils got the turnover and scored less than a minute after the Rangers took a three to two lead. So that was definitely a moment of concern. Uh, VC was rightly put into the Quinbin and did not see the ice the rest of the night. Pavel Buchnevich got his shifts and he played solidly, even got some ice time as the Rangers were trying to uh, hold off the devil's last uh, ditch effort. So Buchnevich seems to be getting a little bit more trust from the coach. And in that regard, uh, he could have put Jesper Foss or Vlad Nemesnikov or any of the other veterans uh, on the ice in that situation. So perhaps Buchnevich isn't in the doghouse as much as one might be led to believe, although the fact that he hasn't been playing a lot would lead you to believe otherwise. But as for the positives from this one, uh, obviously all the production from the Killer Z's 
as I've been calling them, is um, fantastic to see. It sucks that Zuccarello is playing so well and he's going to end up being dealt in the next three or four weeks. But um, you, 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 as I've said all season, when they win, great. If they lose, you can't get upset because you know that the team is rebuilding. And as long as the effort is there every night, you can be happy regardless of the result. And the same thing happened tonight, Tuesday night also. They had a great the great effort, 38 shots. The Flyers goalie stood on his head. In this one, they were able to beat Keith Kincaid four times and got some timely goaltending from Henrik to beat the Devils. Indeed. And without Henrik Lundqvist's big saves, I really don't think we see a win tonight, or last night in New Jersey, depending on when you're listening to this. So, um, back to the topic we discussed at the top of the show with Pavel Buchnevich. It's very clear that when the kid gets ice time, he produces, and it's clear when he plays with skilled players, he produces. Uh, the buzz line, whatever you want to call them, has looked really, really good. And, I mean, look, when you're making plays like with also Matt Zuccarello, who we're going to get to in a little bit, eyes in the back of his head tonight. But Shnevich really strong with the puck. He made a very questionable decision to not shoot it in the first period when he had a prime scoring chance in the slot. Rectified that and was taking some good shots later in the game. Now, Kevin, uh, my question to you, uh, back to Pavel Buchnevich, not just playing with skill guys, but do you think he needs to kind of gain his confidence back after, I don't know, a few slow or a few down performances recently? Uh, what do you think that David Quinn could do to help him out a little more besides just putting him with Zuke and Zibanejad? Because as Zach said, Zuccarello is probably not going to be here that much longer. I definitely think throw him on the power play would be the first instinct for me, at least, because, you know, he, like, with the room, we've seen it. Like, you know, when we first watched his highlights, when we first drafted him, I remember looking at him and being like, oh, wow, look at this guy go. He's got hands. He's going all up the ice. And then we've got to remember the ice is bigger. So he has all this room because there's not, because there is just room to work with, I guess. And now if you look at this and he's kind of squished into this NHL rink, and we saw at first, you know, he had to adjust, and we always assumed, okay, he's got to adjust, he's got to adjust. But now it's getting to the point, like, okay, when's the adjustment period over? When is he going to start playing at this level? And I think just getting him on the power play, even if he doesn't score the goal, if he's contributing to power play goals, or he's contributing to scoring chances, then we see him gain confidence. Obviously, if he scores a goal, it's so much better. But if he's on primary assists, if he's part of the rush, if he's making smart plays and getting credit for it by the rest of his team and David Quinn, we can see him gain that confidence back. It's just, you know, Buchnevich has had injuries. He hasn't had a full season yet. And it, 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 it takes time to brew, especially when you come back from injuries and you, you're not yourself. So I feel like he's always, like, when he's gotten on a roll, it gets stopped for some reason. You know, maybe there's a big break. Maybe, like I said, he gets hurt. But he is just one of those players we just – I strive for this guy to be good because we know he could be good. We know he's a, a great player. And if this doesn't happen, it might come down to the point where it's like, okay, what are we going to do with Bushnevich? Are we going to trade him? Are we going to sign him? You know, we're just going to go through arbitration again. We'll see. But if you give him ice, you give him a good amount of chances, and you don't punish him for not being defensively inept, which we didn't draft him for. We drafted him for his shot. So it's just, you know, these, these coaches expect, especially A.V., when he was here, they, he made him do defensive work, and it's just not his game. And we've seen it time and time again. That's not how he plays. And he just, he's, he's not a fourth-line player is what you're saying. The whole thing. He's, he needs, he's not, he needs to be in a top-six role player. to succeed. Exactly. Yeah, that's, yes. that's my point if you want to 
sum it up in one No, sentence. I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. I think that he needs to be put in a position where his offensive talent can shine. He's not a grinder. He's not a physical type of player. He's a guy who needs a puck on a stick, and he needs to shoot. But, you know, hopefully this will be a start of a trend where Butchnevich will start to come out of his slump. So moving on here to the man of the day, Matt Zuccarello. I mean, look, the guy looks like he had eyes in the back of his head against the Devils last night. He has, he's playing really well. He's averaging like a point and a half or two points per game in the last few games here, playing extremely, extremely confidently and increasing that trade value exponentially. Zach, Matt Zuccarello has been a great ranger for a long time, but we're faced with the reality of him leaving very soon. It's going to happen. There's a lot of suitors. We've been hearing Calgary, Edmonton. We've been hearing even more. Some people even say maybe Winnipeg. Who knows? Point being, Matt Zuccarello is not going to be a New York Ranger for much longer. Um, his recent strong play, what do you think is attributed to that? And why do you think now is the time that he's, he's coming out of it? Do you think it's because of who he's playing with, et cetera, et cetera? Well, who he's playing with definitely helps. Um, you have, first of all, he's on the top line, which is a spot that he's pretty much been on for the last four or five years, either the top line or the second line, but always in the top six. So that's definitely part of it, playing with Mika and Chris Kreider, uh, who are two of the top skill guys on the Rangers. Kreider's got the speed. Mika, as we saw tonight or, or last night, depending on when you're listening, uh, had the hands, uh, as we saw in that last goal, the game winner. So Zuccarello is just in a good spot right now. He doesn't have the pressure of carrying a line, not that he ever had that pressure, but if you're playing third line or second line, sometimes you're the and you're sometimes the best player on the line, guys look at you to score. So I think the fact that he's on a top line that already had a ton of skill is helping him. And I also think that he knows that the trade deadline is now. So if he's going to go to a contender – and he's got to show them what he, he can do. I think that he's kind of put himself into the mental state where he knows that my time here is pretty much done. I've mentally moved on, but now I got to make sure I go to the right place. And in doing that, he's going to perform as best as he can. Absolutely. Matsu wherever he does go, we wish him obviously the best of luck and it's going to be a really sad day for everybody. But I mean, ultimately for the team's future, he's a piece that does need to be moved. So another guy I would love to talk about here in a little more detail is actually someone who I didn't plan on talking about, but I think his play needs to be discussed is Neil Pionk. Neil Pionk should be a really cool. He should at least be a good defenseman on the offensive side of the ice. Now, what do I mean by that? I kind of hope we we'd be seeing now take this with a grain of salt, but something kind of like Keith Yandel light here, extremely light. I'm not talking that kind of skill, but that kind of play. But the thing is, Neil Pionk isn't delivering on the offensive end and on the defensive end, he's been absolutely atrocious. And for some reason, David Quinn keeps pairing him with Mark Stahl, who's basically a traffic cone at this point in his career. And he's not playing really well. So one uh, what do you, yes. So what do you do with, what do you do with Neil Pionk? What is the cure here? Because apparently Adam McQuaid is drawing interest. 
uh, you know, so he's not going to be available to the lineup much longer. And Neil Pionk is going to be someone that's going to be in the lineup. I mean, do you play Ryan Lindgren in over him? Do you call up someone like Libor Hayek? I mean, he has been terrible. What do, what, how do we fix this, Kevin? What do we do with Neil Pionk? You reward John Gilmore by bringing him back up. Mm, I like that. I've been, I was I like surprised that. by the fact that he didn't make the roster out of camp. And I was like, you know what? There's a lot of defensemen. You know, he seemed they wanted him to get, you know, some more time. And when Neil Pionk came back, I was like, oh, okay, good. Good for Neil Pionk. He really showed that he's offensive. And I thought, like, you know, he really did. Like, he's great on the power play. He's great on three on three. But, you know, the even strength has some desirable aspects that we want. And, you know, look, he's an offensive defenseman by trade. We know that. We're not expecting him to kill off all the penalty minutes, even though he should be able to. But, you know, when John Gilmore and Neil Pion came up last year after the trade deadline, I believe it was right after the trade deadline, they were phenomenal because, you know, they were together. They were, you know, in Hartford together. And they played really well. I was like, oh, this is a great start. You know, John Gilmore a little more defensively. He can still produce. You know, but they came up together and they showed the Rangers, okay, this is what we want to do. We want to be here. And now Neil, Neil Pionk is all by himself. And you're pairing with a player who's pretty much out the door. And, you know, what does that leave? It's like he's, he has to produce offensively and defensively. You know, that's, it's hard to ask him of that. But at the same time, that's why you're a defenseman. So Absolutely. it comes down to do you, do you bench him again? which you have been doing, or do you just flat out send him down the AHL? Give him a conditioning stint. Make, reward John Gilmore for making the AHL All-Star game again. Yeah. And, you know, and I mean, that will look, this is what happens. That will ultimately hurt the Wolfpack a little bit, and I'm sure Ricky wouldn't be too thrilled with that. But at the same time, John you Gilmore has done him. every possible thing to deserve a call-up, and for some reason he has not gotten it so far. He's such a, he's a quick skater. He's got a great shot. He's been having an amazing season for Hartford that those that don't really check on the Wolfpack as much. Uh, I mean, he's an AHL All-Star. He's really, really good, and I think that he's done more than enough to warrant a call-up. So, I mean, look, that's definitely a solution to this problem. Zach, can you think of anything else that you that you think that management, David Quinn, uh, just something else different that do you think that we could have in place of Neil Pionk for a little bit? Does he deserve to be benched? Does he deserve to be taken, you know, put on the third pair? What is the cure here, if there even is a cure, or does he really just need to go down to the AHL for a little bit? I think the thing with Neil Pionk is we don't know the kind of defenseman he is yet, right? So Adam McQuaid, we know, is a stay-at-home physical defenseman. He's not going to jump in the rush. He's going to be the in-your-face guy who's going to battle in the corners, battle in front of the net, and not take any BS from the opposition. Um, Brady Shea likes to jump in the rush if he can. Um, Mark Stahl's a stay-at-home. Tony D'Angelo likes jumping up. Shattenkirk likes jumping up. Um, and who am I forgetting? Freddie Clayson's a stay-at-home guy. And I'm missing one, and I'm kicking myself for not remembering. Uh, Brendan Smith is a physical stay-at-home guy when he's in the lineup. So, you know, you're talking about a, a kid in his – rookie year who's still figuring it all out. I think the defensive part of his game has to improve. Uh, He has not been good in his own end uh, in the last few weeks, which is part of the reason why a lot of Ranger fans, uh, myself included, were very impressed with him when he came up at the the end of last season. Do I think a, a, a stint in the AHL would be a good idea? It can't hurt. 
the only thing with calling up John Gilmore is that David Quinn has said that he likes playing the lefty-righty uh, on the blue line, and Gilmore is another lefty, which means that either he or someone else would have to play on their off wing, on their off side, I should say. Um, the other thing is Tony D'Angelo hasn't been as bad in his own end as Pionk, which isn't really setting the bar so high considering that D'Angelo's biggest struggles uh, from the scouting standpoint was his play in his own end. So perhaps just bringing in Tony D'Angelo for a couple games and then this way that when they, or if, I should say if, but when, because I believe they will move McQuaid uh, before the deadline, that when McQuaid is gone, they'll know where both players stand within the organization. Um, If they move Freddie Clayson also, then maybe Lindgren comes back up and or Gilmore comes back up. But you have to give Tony D'Angelo a look because aside from the fact that Elias Anderson is in Hartford, he was the other piece of that Derek Stepan deal. So the fact that he hasn't been playing much is a little concerning. Um, so you'll definitely want to get him in there. And, you know, if Pionk has hit the rookie wall and he's seems like he's hit it hard and he needs a, a couple a couple games in Hartford to kind of regroup, let send him down, let him get refreshed and then when he comes back up he'll be he'll be ready to go as we saw uh, happened with Alex Georgiev on uh, Tuesday night. Well, we can hope so because Neil Pionk really needs to work on his game if he wants to be a part of the solution and not someone that gets shipped out. So, as we close in on the trade deadline, we are just a few weeks out of what is sure to be a fire sale here. Kevin Hayes, Matt Zuccarello, the obvious two that were going to be moved, along with Adam McQuaid, which I don't know how there's interest, but hey, if there's interest, let's get what we can for him and move on. But, you know, in recent days, talk has picked up in the hockey community, hockey Twitter, about Chris Kreider possibly being moved. Now, I caution everyone here. This is probably the trickiest person on the entire roster to move. Why? Well, here's the thing. If the Rangers keep playing not so well, and they ultimately end up in the draft lottery, look who the centers Chris Kreider has played with in his career have been. He's never really had that true, true elite guy which hopefully Mika Zibanejad is turning into. But regardless, imagine Chris Kreider playing with someone like Jack Hughes or Chris Kreider playing with someone with Guy Kapokako, who would probably play wing, but still. Imagine an elite guy with him, with Zibanejad. There's a lot to take in there because Chris Kreider could be a very, very good player for this team for about three to four more years of like prime, prime years. Okay. So that's one way you can take a look at this. The second way is you can look at Derek Broussard. Derek Broussard had a bunch of amazing years in New York, but when it was time, it was time. And thankfully, they capitalized on the trade when they did. So it's Chris Kreider, who he is younger than Broussard was at the time of the trade. That's true. But is Chris Kreider having a case of best season? Or is this a case of this is who he is? Now, it's tough to say. Chris Kreider's had all the talent in the world for his whole career so far, but the guy seems to take nights off. So, Looking at this from both ends, do you trade Chris Kreider? Do you see what's out there? Do you get if? And in my opinion, it, the offer really has to blow someone away. 
It really has to make Jeff Gordon like stand up out of his seat and say, okay, if this is what this team is offering us, sure, I can rock with that. The Vegas Golden Knights come to mind. If something like Cody Glass in the first round pick would come back our way, I think that would be a fantastic return. You know, uh, every team could use Chris Kreider. Every one of these contenders could use Chris Kreider on that team. I mean, look, when the guy's healthy, the speed is unmatched. His shot is lethal, and, you know, you just can't contain the guy because of how big he is. So, Kevin, let's start with you here. There's two sides to this Chris Cryer thing. It's a very tricky situation here, considering he has a year and a half left on his deal. He's going to be due for a new contract soon as well. If you're Jeff Gordon, you're already taking offers on Hayes, Zuccarello, McQuaid, whoever else, even Vladimir Mesnikov we've been hearing also. What do you do? What do you do here in the case of Chris Kreider? Well, I guess the first thing that I would do was not ignore these trade offers. I mean, he, he, he's open to anything. We've, we, we know that. He, besides the younger guys on these entry-level contracts, he's like, okay, I'll, you want Carter? You want anybody? Just tell me what you want, and, you know, we'll make a deal. Or, you know, but I definitely think that Kreider is one of those guys who is more off-limits than, you know, open trade kind of thing. And... I I think if I were Jeff Gordon, I would be also calling people about Kreider. Like, look, do you want Chris Kreider? You know, we're going to need at least this, this, and that back. But one thing that I wanted to say, and it's kind of off topic, just just I wanted to say it earlier, but I didn't get a chance to. A public service announcement to the fans: Don't stop being fans because you just like one guy. Everybody's everybody's crying and moaning. It's like, oh, they trade Zuccarello. I'm never gonna watch a game again. They trade Chris Kreider. Like all this crap, and it's just it's it's, it's annoying. You're, you're you're a Ranger fan because you're a fan of the Rangers, not of one player. This isn't this is not that kind of sport. You, if you're not a fan of the team, you need to come to fruition with this idea that the Rangers are going to trade players that you like. I don't want Zuccarello traded. I don't want Chris Carter traded, but I know for the betterment of the Rangers organization, they ever want to be a playoff team or a Stanley Cup team ever again, they have to trade guys that we like. And this is the, goes back to Lundqvist, and that's why there's that split right down the middle. So if we do get to the point where we want to trade Chris Kreider, I think it's better to trade him now where his value is starting to peak like it hasn't before and get rid of him. I, I, I think he could be a great winger for any center. If he, like he looks like he found his game. But that's not going to be the case if he's stuck here, you know, deciding to take a day off. Like, we don't want that kind of mentality. We want a guy who's playing every game, 200 feet, for 60 minutes. That's the player that we want. And if Chris Carter can't provide that, then I don't think that's a good example for guys that are coming up. Kevin, you bring a really good point. You want guys that are in this rebuild to be fully in and to be committed every single night. And that's the problem that people have had with Chris Kreider over the course of his career is that he can be the best player on the ice. And then some nights he is just not such a good player on the ice. So with that in mind, I think you're right. They do have to listen, but you know, it's, it's, it's still something where you need to be pretty careful about because he can still be very good. Zach, I ask you this now, Chris Kreider has been, amazing this year he's been fantastic and it seems that you know he hasn't uh particularly been playing with Mika Zibanejad all the time like tonight he did not with uh, against New Jersey but it seems whoever he plays with he can <clears throat> he can you know produce so 
what do you think a good offer for him would be? What do you think this team needs back? I'm talking in general, uh, not specifics, but in general, what do you think would be a good return for him? And do you think that this team should even entertain trading him at all? Yeah, I'm I'm of the belief that you don't just trade guys for the sake of trading them. And I know that the Rangers could get a major haul for Chris Kreider, especially with the way he's played this season. But you're still going to need some veterans to lead all these young guys next season. And considering that Chris Kreider's been around now for, I believe, six years or seven years, um, he's one of the leaders in the room for sure. Um, And he's a guy that has been playing up to his full potential this season, thanks to David Quinn. So I wouldn't move him. What could you get for uh, for him? Um, Definitely a first, definitely a prospect. Um, Kevin Paul DuPont of the Boston Globe had tweeted out something like Brandon Carlo, a prospect and a first from the Bruins, which is not enough by any stretch. Carlo's a second pair defenseman at best. So I think the offer has to be earth shatteringly good for Gordon to even consider it. Um, what do the Rangers need in a return in general? They need high draft picks. They aren't going to get a first for anyone other than Hayes. Maybe Zuccarello if a team is really desperate for him. Um, but I still see Zook as a second and a prospect like what the, the Rangers were able to get for Michael Grab in their last season. But, you know, they they need – they need some prospects, obviously, um, as they keep building. The other thing is, at center, they're pretty solid, right? You have Mika. Right now, you have Kevin Hayes, but he'll be gone. Philip Heedle is still a quasi-center. We'll see what happens if and when the Rangers move Hayes, if he goes back into the middle. Ryan Strom has been a solid third, and Booney Evis is a fourth-line center. So which leaves Leas Anderson, uh, it gives him what to shoot for, because if Phillips now a winger, Leas can have that second spot if he's ready for it. And then you could have a line of, of Philip, Leas, and, um, and Booch, and that could be your line, uh, a second line next season, which would be fantastic. And you also have Brett Howden. So, you know, center, they're pretty much covered as far as I'm concerned. What they need is wingers and, you know, defensemen there. We've seen their prospect list, Keandre Miller, Nils Lundqvist, who scored a goal uh, today or yesterday, depending on when you're listening to this, uh, for Lulea in the Swedish League. Um, John Gilmore, who we talked about, Pionk, D'Angelo, uh, um, Lindgren are all guys who are still figuring it out. So they're good on defense. We know their goalie pipeline with Shostorkin, even Georgiev, uh, Adam Huska at UConn, Tyler Wall in uh, at UMass Lowell uh, in the NCAA. We, we, the Rangers need wingers. So if you're losing Zook, 
and you're hopefully losing Cody McLeod after the season. I, I pray to God every day they don't bring him back. Um, and you need wingers. Vinny Letiri's still in Hartford. Uh, he hasn't been able to crack the team for a significant amount of time. So, you know, that might be a little concerning. But the Rangers need uh, wingers in at the deadline. And hopefully they get that without having to give up too much um, of their high-end veteran talent. Yeah. I mean, look, I agree with you when you say they need wingers. Because it seems, although we've discovered some talent, you need more. And honestly, this is a chance to preview something that I wrote and that will be on the site this weekend. So, there is a guy in the Ontario Hockey League right now (laughs) playing for the Ottawa 67s, and his name is Ty Fellhaber. Now, you might be going, who is that? That's true. I didn't, honestly didn't know too much about him until a few weeks ago either. But when someone is on a 71-goal pace in juniors, you have to pay attention because the only people that have done that in the past 30 years, I believe, are Eric Lindros and John Tavares. So, important to remember, he is in his overage year. He's playing in his fifth season. That definitely has something to do with it. But... In his case, I think that if you're in a rebuild, why not take a shot at this kid? Now, Kevin, I'm putting you on the spot here, buddy. But oh, God. knowing what you know about what I just said, Ty, Fel- Ty Fellhaber is really he's, – he's destroying the OHL right now with his play. He's, he has over 50 goals. He scored 50 goals in 48 games, to be precise. If you're Jeff Gordon – and honestly, let's make this a little broader of a question here. Do you take a chance – on someone like this who's been undrafted, do you take do you look in other areas where people might not look like? For instance, Billy Meskinen last year was brought over, and he's having a great season in the AHL for the Wolfpack. In a rebuilding kind of culture, do you look at a guy like Fellhaber? Do you try to find another kind of guy like Meskinen? Do you try to bring more of these undrafted guys in to kind of push your prospects, push your other players? Do you think that that's something they should keep looking into in this offseason? I think they should be looking into just any any player that can compete with these rising stars, guys that can put these guys like you know. For a while, you, like I'm sure Leah Anderson had in his mind, okay, I'm going to come to the Rangers, I'm going to be a center for the Rangers, and then they traded for Brett Howden, and then he leapfrogged him for that spot. And now you know he's all in disarray. It's like, oh man, I thought I had this locked, and yeah, definitely bring in guys who are tearing it up in these lower leagues, like, you know, give them a chance. Like if they can play this well in this, in this stage, there's, you can't make an assumption. He's going to play amazing in this, in the NHL, but why not give him that chance? Why not make these undrafted guys, you know, opportunities? Like, you know, there is a famous undrafted, uh, winger that I may be speaking of. If you know who I'm talking about, Russell, <laughs> you know, who I'm talking I think about. I do. I think I do. Okay. Why don't you tell everybody? No, I don't want to, because now they can do it. <laughs> Thanks for keeping uh, me out of the loop, Kevin. There's no out of the loop. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, Zach? No, not off the top oh, okay. of my head. Well, now nobody gets to know. <laughs> I mean, I'll look at. I can. That's the power of Google, isn't it? it okay, so you're gonna Google undrafted wingers, 
and I give this it. That's all you get. <laughs> uh, no, but look, if you give these guys a chance, especially like Dan Girardi, you know, undrafted defenseman, and then he turns into what he did, look, they're not 100%. They were undrafted for a reason. So why not give these guys a chance? If it doesn't work out, no risk, essentially. You didn't waste a draft pick on him. And all you're doing is just you have a little bit of cap, especially with all this cap that you have. It's not like you're it's not like you're uh, Vegas. It's not like you're San Jose where you're like right against the cap hit and you're you're it's breathing down your neck and you're getting crushed by it. No, the Rangers, especially in the coming years, have so much cap space they can sign any free agent they want <clears throat> or Temi Panarin. <clears throat> and um, you know we'll we'll see. It's just. It's just one of those things. Like this kid is just tearing it up, though. You gave me. A little, I rambled just enough to see his his point totals for this year for the Ottawa sixty seven. It's just it's amazing, and you know he he can get a good chance if, he, if Jeff Gordon should pull the trigger. Why not? Eighty six points in forty nine games. It's a good it's a good amount of point total even for the OHL. Yeah, absolutely right. And I mean, look. If someone's on pace for that kind of point totals, you need to give them a look, as I say in the article, which is actually pretty cool, and you should totally read it. Anyway, last topic I want to discuss, because we got a few minutes left. Big win over the Devils tonight. Didn't help out the tank, but it's always nice to beat a rival, as we discussed at the top of the show. In the coming weeks, once Kevin Hayes, Matt Zagrello, Adam McQuaid, and everyone is on their new teams... Who gets who gets the forward call-ups? And obviously we discussed John Gilmore will most likely be up here after the trade deadline. But who exactly uh, do you guys think? I'm going to give, before we answer this, Kevin, I want you to think of two guys, Zach, two guys, and I want you to yell them out when I call you. Not a lot of stuff. I just want to see who you guys right now would pick to be called up once the exodus begins. Zach, we'll start with you. Two guys. Uh, Meskinen and Liz Anderson. Kevin, two guys. Uh, Gilmore and Lindgren. Kevin, I said not Gilmore because yep. we discussed him already. Oh, sorry. I, I, <laughs> I got too excited when you said call-up. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry. And, you know, because Zach actually took Anderson from me, so I, I had to think fast. Oh, okay. So who do you think besides well, who you, Gilmore? Who would you pick, Russell? You're, you're, you're me? putting all these questions would, on us. Who would I pick? Who would you pick? All right, well, personally, yeah. I think Billy Meskinen needs to get a shot. I think he's performed really well. I'm stealing that one. And also, I think, what's his name? Chris Bigris has been really good this year as well. Um, for those who don't know, we acquired him in a trade with the Colorado Avalanche, where we sent uh, Ryan Graves over to them, and they sent Bigris back to us. And he's actually been pretty solid down there for the Wolfpack this season. So I think that if you don't want to waste a year of a guy – or if you don't feel like you want to call Libor Hayek up yet, get bigger some to line. See what he could do. You never know. It's a rebuild. Just see what's going on with the players that you have and give everyone a shot. Because, honestly, the worse they do, the better our draft position is. So it's totally okay. And with that, everyone, thanks for joining us this week. We'll be back in two weeks. And we'll be back for our trade deadline special once again like we did last year. So you'll be hearing from us a lot within the coming weeks. Thank you for joining us. Huge win over the Devils. So glad we got to destroy them. That was awesome. And Mika Zabanajad, congratulations on your first hat trick as a New York Ranger. Hopefully there's a lot more in your future. Thanks for joining us this week, everyone. Have a great night.
What's going on? You have John Wangland, one of the hosts of Wrestling With Reality. Check out our shows this week on Wrestling With Reality. We have some great shows. We have our MMA show. We look at is Khabib Namagamadov versus George St. Pierre a reality? Why John Jones is such a disgrace to the UFC? We also have on WCW Monday Nitro Watch Along, and we take a look back at Triple H in his 25-year career in the WWE. So check out Wrestling With Reality on all major podcast outlets. And let's go, Raider Nation. It's me, Evan Grote, host of Just Pod Baby. Join me as I bring you the latest news on your Las Vegas Raiders. On Just Pod Baby, I will give you my thoughts on all things silver and black. And of course, you can expect to receive the best information from top-notch guests. Be sure to listen to Just Pod Baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast, part of the Silver and Black Today Media Group. Business with personality. That's the idea that launched London's business newspaper, City AM, 15 years ago. And it's the same idea that inspired our new daily podcast, The City View, where you'll find me, City AM editor Christian May, interviewing the most well-known, influential and colourful figures from business, politics and finance. The City View from City AM with a new episode every morning. It's the perfect start to your working day.